Oh, I was going to tell you that guy too. He was like, I love the show SVU, but I wouldn't think of it as being a podcast I would listen to. But like you guys' dynamic, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I actually said out loud, I was like, I'm going to tell Tasha because as you know, her need <laughs> to be <laughs> whatever. Hearing that from a person I've never met and may never meet will feed me. <laughs> In my darkest hours, I will grab that. <laughs> I'm going to spiral into a period depression at some point within the next week or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like, what was that guy's name? Doesn't matter. He really likes the podcast. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on episode 19 called Contact. Again, the episodes are the Amazon Prime. Right, but this is the real 19. Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. I was thinking about it on the way over here and I was like, I need to make a note that this is the real 19. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. There's got to be some person that's like, I don't think this is the, you're doing an an inaccurate representation. I can't even listen to this show. Not because you're both ridiculously annoying. (laughs) So yeah, season one, episode 19. There are 22 episodes in this season. So we're almost- Mom says hi. Done. Hi, Mary. (laughs) Sorry I called you a bitch in the last episode. So we start off with Nicole Sullivan, blonde with bangs. She was on Mad TV for six seasons, Mm -hmm. King of Queens for five seasons. Oh, yeah. We know her face. Yeah. Here she's playing a too-busy-for-this-shit New York City working woman. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's got coffee. She's got it on her cell phone. Mm Mm-hmm. Doing some business. Remember when they put antennas on cell phones? She's like... Hello? Oh, yes, I could hear you much Age better. Age of technology, my ass. <laughs> Pops the She pushes up. down like a two and a half foot long. <laughs> she has to like push it on the ceiling to close. <laughs> Just pulling it down. <laughs> this visual joke is not going to work. I got to hold the cell phone with my shoes so it doesn't touch the floor while I'm pulling down. The- <laughs> she uses it to make sure she's six feet away from the person next to her. It's also her fishing pole. <laughs> So she gets on the subway. You can tell she's tough. Like, Mm -hmm. she's a hard ass. Trigger warning rape. Trigger warning fully acted out assault. This is the first and most intense Um, rape scene. Because usually you see the aftermath of a crime. You see the woman making the phone call to 911. Or you see a body. Or you you Mm -hmm. see people playing in the park. And they're like, what? Yeah. Somebody always comes across somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in this case, a guy with a hood and a blade attacks her. He turns her around so she's against the window. Yeah. Yeah. The like sliding door on the... um, train car he turns her around and he rapes her in front of everybody Mm -hmm. and it's pretty graphic people ignore a lot on the subway so i see what they're getting at people have trained themselves to just not pay attention on subways yeah but there was a woman holding some flowers sitting there literally right next to them and she noticed and just kept her head you can see her eyes like yeah and she keeps her head down so the train stops the guy bolts off and he's gone and she like slinks to the floor because she's like what the fuck just happened (sighs) She's like obviously shaking. It happens so fast. Mm -hmm. They're at the precinct and Craig says that the subway is shut down in that area, like the two spots. And then it is revealed that seven young women in the six month time span have been raped by a flash and dash rapist on the city subways. This is something that's been going on and they know about it. So Craig of course like everybody get going, like move. 
Munch and Jeffries then go to the subway. There's a cop on the scene and he tells them all about like the metal that the train cars are made out of. Mm -hmm. And so they're made to resist oils and shit so it can resist spray paint. But unfortunately, that means it resists prints as well. Mm -hmm. So the window she was pressed up against had a hundred other prints, just like a couple of partial shoe prints on the ground. So they like they weren't starting off very well. They find an empty coffee cup. And I'm like, is that the dudes? Like, why are they? What's maybe something got on it? I don't know. But it was, it was hers. And yeah. Maybe, yeah. I like how they're in like the dirty New York subway and they're like, must be this the... must be hers. Yeah. Yeah. Who gets to go coffee anyway? <laughs> Benson and Stabler are at the Vic's apartment. The first line is Stabler going, it's not your fault. And she's like, I know that. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's edgy and annoyed as shit. And I'm like, yeah. So Stabler kind of is like, I'm going to hang back. Mm-hmm. He's so, also all like sneezy and shit. Yeah. And like has a cold through the whole thing. Right. I was like, are you predicting that we're all going to hate this when we watch this 20 years from now? Because <laughs> yeah. go home. They give her a sketch of the dude mm-hmm. who's yeah, doing they're... all the rapes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, does this look like your attacker? And she's like, yeah, that looks like him. But it also looks like the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. So the iconic sketch of the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, was aviators and a hood. It's a little you know? curls. Yeah. Little naughty curls <laughs> under his hood. So Stabes asks her if she got a good look at him. And she softens after this because she's. Yeah. it's like she realizes that they're there to help because she was really on edge. So then she becomes a little easier to talk to. And she describes the man who attacked her. He was thin with sandy brown hair, a beak nose. He had a knife and a dark hoodie. And she's like, he was panting at me. He was panting like a dog. And he left his mark on my dress. At this point, she was kind of crying a little bit. She was upset. Yeah. Of course. Benson and Stabler are at Arnold and Schreiber. It's an office and Benson and Stabler are talking to a witness of the attack. And I couldn't figure out what it was for right away. So I'm like, this office must be a manspreading lobby because this guy is doing it like it's his fucking job. Yeah, he's douchey as shit. I hate him. Yeah. He said he wasn't even sure what was going on. When the attack happened. Yeah, he said that he was just kind of spacing out on the train. He said people always try to sell you stuff and you just kind of zone out and learn not to see, quote unquote. Yeah. Except he seemed to see everything. Yep. He said the dude was like 5'10", wearing a navy pea coat, had dirty pants like drips from a painting and the guy said that he remembered thinking, oh, I don't want to get near this guy because I don't want to get paint on my coat. And Olivia was like, oh, did you notice the perp before he was actually on the victim? And he was like, no. So (laughs) she's like, you saw him attacking a woman and you were like, Ooh, I don't want him to get paint on me. Yeah, like he literally didn't see the guy come in, only noticed him when he was raping her and was like, that's it. I wish there was the Swedish guys everywhere. Every time there's a rape that's happening. Yeah. A, I wish rape didn't happen. But if there is sexual assault and rape happening, I wish those Swedish guys on bikes from fucking what's his face? Brock Turner. Brock Turner's bullshit that were always around the corner. Yeah. Chanel Miller's Swedish guys. Chanel Miller's Swedish guys, not Brock Turner. Fuck His name should be bleeped out, and we should always know that that means Okay. Cool. Yep. Also, it's like the drama in which Stabler is bringing his illness to fruition. He's not not good at faking being sick. His symptoms today would have a foot-long Q-tip up his fucking nose. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, (laughs) you guys remember I'm sick? (laughs) Like, we get it. Why are you here? Go home. So Munch and Jeffries are at the transit precinct and they're talking to the transit cop captain i think yeah jeffries is like why aren't why don't you get some like cameras in there and like a transit cop on each train Mm -hmm. and he's like well we're going to next year and he's like but no amount of cops and cameras will stop a guy from sticking his hand up a girl's skirt rape greenberg not fondling not petting not unwanted advances 
rape on your subway, remember? Yeah, dude. And she's got her jaw clenched for all of us. Yeah. She, she was just I know, it was awesome. shaking her head as he walked away because he didn't have anything fucking else to say after that. Yeah, he's just like, so it happens every day. And you're like, well, it shouldn't. Benson and Stabler are talking to a flower vendor on the street then. She doesn't give him much. She was the person that was sitting holding the flowers with her head down like next to them on the train. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I asked her a question, she couldn't give a direct answer because she had just like shut down during the Yeah. She seemed like scared. She seemed kind of scared. Like she didn't want to. She saw something so fucked up. Yeah. She's like, she just said that he looked like everybody else. She doesn't know if he was on the train like before everybody else got on. Mm -hmm. She heard him say something to the women but didn't know what it was. And she said that she does. She doesn't even normally look at men. Yeah. They're at the precinct. Benson, Stabler, Munch, and Jeffries are talking and Craigan walks up with Dr. Audrey Jackson, who's a forensic psychologist. Mm -hmm. And she's here to join the team. I found this out while researching my chaser, but she was not just a guest star. She was Broadway star Audra McDonald. Oh. So she was like a big deal in New York. The fact that she was on SVU was... Yeah. But we wouldn't know that because we don't know anything about Broadway. Yeah. Um, The deputy commissioner... No, sorry. <laughs> the deputy commissioner had suggested that she join the team. So everybody's kind of like, oh, cool. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Fucking Stabes and Munch are both like chest puffed up. Like yeah. all of a sudden she's on their turf or yeah, something. Yeah, but it lasts like three seconds. She like calls him out on it. And she, um, yeah, she's like, I'm going to address this because I'm not a fucking child. Yeah. She's like, I know you guys aren't happy. I'm here, but like, let's work together and be a fucking team and get this rapist off the thing. And they're like, cool. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. And they're all just kind of giving Craig and her the rundown of what they found, which is nothing basically. Mm-hmm. And Craig is like, what makes the victims similar? Like all seven. Benson said women wearing skirts and they're on the subway. And the shrink chimes in and she's like, is that it? Yeah. Is that all you got? And they're like, yeah, dude, that's it. So she goes on to say that he's a dog. The hunt gets him off. Mm -hmm. You can't plant a decoy because he doesn't have a type. So yeah, it was like all different types of women. Just just women in skirts, like right before the train would stop. He would had it timed out. But so they don't have a whole lot to go on except for some of these things. So she says because he doesn't have a type, they can't plant a decoy. So they just have to wait. Yeah. The phone rings. Munch is like, looks like the wait is over. The dog found it another human fire hydrant and I'm like no Munch stop dude that's not the reference you're looking for yeah Jeffries and Munch are at the 59th street station they're with um, that one transit cop from not the captain but the guy earlier he is so proud of himself I know. by the way Did you see the way he was walking he was like his bangs <laughs> were moving and shit he doesn't even have bangs <laughs> staying alive was playing underneath yeah and he was like, he said that there was an old lady sees a guy attack a girl and cries wolf. And then like some dude grabs the assailant and another dude grabs the emergency brake, which is like pretty like rad teamwork. But the only reason why anybody was paying attention because they had just heard about women being raped in the subway. Yeah. So they had like people had their eye out. Yeah. The transit cop apprehends the dude and he looks like Bill Nye, the science guy's <laughs> brother. Yes. Like dumb, shitty brother. Um, I don't think it's him. Oh, I thought you were like, I don't think it's Bill Nye. I'm like, it's it's not, dude. It's not Bill Nye. It's not Bill Nye, for sure. Yeah, immediately when I see his face, I'm like, oh, he didn't do this. Yeah. Plus, it was like way too early in the show. And the proud little cop was like, just call me the dog catcher. Oh, God. I was like thumbs in his belt loops. (laughs) Olivia and Stabler are interrogating Bill Nye's brother. Bruce Abbott. Our suspect. Olivia's like, so what happened? And he's still zoning out and he looks to be in disbelief and he just shrugs and goes, the train jerked, I fell against her. And Benson and Stabler are aggressively questioning him. So then it cuts to Dr. Audrey and Cragen, and they're watching from the other side of the one-way mirror. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to Bruce talking to the detectives and they ask him what's on his pants and he was like, oh, it's paint. And then they, through a line of questioning, we come to find out that it's not paint, it's jizz. I did not catch that part. Oh, well, it was jizz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Benson and Stabler have him take and his- And you know jizz, so I trust you. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> sure do, Gabe. So Benson and Stabler have him take his pants off. There's a hole cut in his pocket. Classic perv trick. Yeah. You know, so he can jerk off while he's got his hand in his pocket. He was saying that his razor knife probably cut a hole in it, and they were like, oh, razor knife? Oh, yeah. Because that's what the guy used. A box cutter. Box cutter. That's it. So they're going to get DNA from his pants jizz, and they place him under arrest. <laughs> I was wondering why they were asking him to take his pants off. I'm like, couldn't you just see if he had a hole in his pocket? Why does he gonna take all his, his entire pants off? <laughs> the jizz was coming from inside the pants. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> so it is October after all. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Spunky. <laughs> that was a dad joke. No, that was perfect. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it? No, it was perfect. I won't entertain you not taking as much pride in that as you should. So we go back to Dr. Audrey and Cragen, and she asks him if he thinks that it's Bruce. And she seems to be doubting it. Me too. Yep. So they're going to interview the witnesses. First, they like interview the, the little old lady that called it out, and I loved her, and I want you to do all of her voices. Good, because okay, I I'll just let you do the, transcribed this, okay. her every word. Yeah. I saw her face, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for Tasha to do this lady. Okay, so they're going to interview the witnesses, the old lady, and the two dudes who stopped this guy. Munch and Jeffries are questioning the old lady. She looks like the lawn gnome version of a little elderly lady, and she has a cute but assertive voice. She definitely sends back food at the diner. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Nobody looks at anybody on the train except for this guy staring at the girl, boring holes in her. That's when he started to circle her. And Munch is like, on a full train? He still had room to move, which is what got my attention. Nobody moves on the subway until the train comes close to the station. This guy had no reason to move. He had his hand shoved deep in his pocket. She was leaning against the metal pole, reading. The train jerked. He grabbed hold of the metal pole so he wouldn't run into her. So Munch is like, did he touch her? As he adjusted himself, was it the train throwing him up against her? Or was it on purpose? Who knows? But when he bent his knees and started to rub up on her, that was on purpose. (laughs) What did she do? Nothing. That's why I said something. Shouted it out to the whole car. For all the times I've stood there and taken it. Enough already. Yes. And then she's like, <laughs> and nods her head really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I I'm loved like, her. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're at the bullpen and Benson is talking to the reporter from the subway. Whatever his face is, he sucks. And they're f- doing this weird flirting about Chinese food. Yeah, they have a weird exchange. This reporter looks like he'd be a men's large, but his reporter trench coat is at least a double XL. <laughs> So this reporter is scruffy face. He's got glasses, curly hair, standard white guy. So they make this dinner date, but they do it in like... Chinese food code. Yeah, but you can tell Olivia's in charge here. Mm-hmm. It's a little flirty. And so she says, Chinese wall, 8 p.m. Then they're at this like brickyard thing. And Talking to Wreck-It Ralph. Oh my God, that dude, <laughs> he was like a brick shit house and also like a brick layer. Who was one of the dudes who helped stop Bruce Abbott. Yeah, he had the widest shoulders I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but I think it was also because he was one of those guys who isn't super tall, so he, like, expands outward. But, like, just in his shoulders and mm-hmm. his arms. I fucking... I remember when he came on the screen, I was like, oh, I just, like, love men. <laughs> like, COVID, dude, I saw the back of a guy's neck the other day, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... Whatever. She's got a hole in her pocket. 
<laughs> so Jeffrey's and Munch are talking to this guy. He said he had heard the older woman yelling for Bruce to get off the girl, and he saw him on top of her, so he went over there and like put a full Nelson on him. Yeah. He's like, I put him in a Nelson. And Jeffrey's was like, half or full? And he's like, full. Look at these arms. <laughs> You would crush dicks in Jersey. Dude. Oh, <laughs> what? Yes. Why am I? Oh. Mm-hmm. Off to the shore we go. <laughs> I can't tease my hair that big. That's a culture. I would live for the nails, though. Can you imagine me with those? Should I get some just for fun? That would be so fun. But you would just pretend to be Wolverine for the two weeks that they <laughs> were on. They'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> so Munch and Jeffries are at the hospital to talk to the most recent victim. So they are initially talking to this member of the hospital staff. I don't know if he's a doctor or a nurse. He's in scrubs, whatever. He says there was no penetration, no fluids found on her, and then that the Vic says that nothing happened. So Jeffries just assumes that she's in denial. Mm -hmm. So then they go to the Vic's room. She's like, did he rub up against me? Yes. Is that so different from any other day at rush hour? No. So good. You're so good. She ex- I feel like I have like the same four accents. No, dude, like, you're so good. Shush. She's talking about how like, you know, you learn to kind of just watch everything and she's always watching. And then Munch kind of questions that. And he's like, oh, that's kind of hard to do when you're reading. And she's like, read a line, scan the car, read a line, scan the car. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, Munch. Yeah. Don't talk about a woman's experience. You know how many things we're thinking about at one time so we don't get fucking jumped in a parking lot? Right. She thinks that the old lady should have minded her own business, which is very New York City. Yeah. And they're like, he didn't rape you? And she's like, no, he didn't even flash me. That happened two weeks ago as we were pulling into Lexington Avenue. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that sounds nuts. Just nuts. She says it as a one-off, but Jeffries picks up on it. She's like, mm-hmm. oh. They're at the precinct, and Dr. Audrey, she totally believes Bruce. So they want to get all the seven victims to identify the perp. Dr. Audrey, she wants the police force to pick them up, all seven of them, and bring them there because going on the subway would cause them too much anxiety. Mm-hmm. Craigan's like, what? Blah, blah, blah. And then she was He's like, He's like, not our problem. Yeah. And then she's like, dude, these, if these women have even gotten on a subway again, like, mm-hmm. this is going to be a whole fucking thing. And they don't, they're like, being that stressed out and coming here, they're just not going to be on their best game, like, picking stuff out when they're fucking full of anxiety because they got raped on fucking trains. Yeah. They won't make a good ID. And that is our problem. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so then Craigan's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. But then he goes, like Miss Jackson said, I'd like these seven IDs to go as smooth as possible. And I'm like, was this just me? Or did Cragen microaggress her by calling her Miss Jackson? It's doctor, motherfucker. Would you do that to a man? No. Oh, I fucking caught it. Yeah, I didn't at all. Wow. Cragen? No man is perfect. In comes the lineup. It's a long and dramatic scene. It really just showcases that all of the women are very different to emphasize the he had no type thing. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, none of them can positively ID Bruce Abbott. So the SVU decides to indict him on like a lesser charge of fondling. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Audrey interviews the suspect, Bruce. He says he came from a small town and like his dream was to come to New York and like everything just evaporated. So she's asking Bruce about, you know, what had happened, like what did he do that day he got drunk he went to a peep show jerk booth and then ended up crying in there and (laughs) what (laughs) he came before he got on the subway yeah wait then why did they take his pants because he had jizz in his pants so they were like oh you were fucking jerking off on the subway and he was like no i already came earlier (laughs) yeah at the peep show where it's allowed well he said he was lonely and just like wanted some contact there it is so i googled movies where they say the movie title in the dialogue oh oh, yeah and found a supercut that somebody made where they did it with 150 different movies 
and it's glorious. I just wanted some contact. I've got the link. It's going to be with our source material. <laughs> in case you wanna, really? Yeah. In case yes, you want to I want to see it. Yeah. So Bruce is not the subway rapist. He's like a sad, sad man. Yeah. SVU lets him go. What they're looking for is a power rapist. Like yes. somebody that, like, that loves to like overtake people. Mm-hmm. And this guy is not that. He's just like a sad fucking dude. Yeah. That is a fondling fuck face. And I don't feel sorry for him. I mean, I feel sorry for him because he's a piece of shit, but it's like, I'm not like, oh, poor guy. He just wanted, like, let him go. He just, he wanted to just rub up on a chick in a subway, you know? Craigan and Dr. Audrey walk and talk. So she's saying that the perp feels powerless, disenfranchised, uses violence to feel powerful, but when it's all over, he goes back to feeling powerless, and that's why he wants to get caught. Craigan's like, well, this guy ran. And she's like, yeah, he's not ready to get caught. (laughs) Oh, here we go. God, so we're at fucking barology. How dare you even show your face in a place called that, Benson? You're too good for that. Also, okay, go ahead. What? No, I just have so much to say about how she looks. I was had this flashback to like when she was gonna go on that date. I remember in Cassie and she was wearing that like shirt. Mm. It just yeah. <laughs> with it like a little tummy. Yeah. Ugh. So Benson is on a date with this reporter. By the way, he's like one of those guys where he takes his glasses off and he's like fifteen million times hotter. Oh my god, I have a note that he's averager than average. God, I thought he was fucking hot. And his name's Nick Gasner. Gasner. Yeah. Yeah, so they're at the bar and he starts talking about the subway race the subway rapist. The subway racist. <laughs> That's everybody. Yeah. And she's getting, I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and she's getting irritated. She's like, why are we talking about work? We're on a fucking I need to go date. back to how she looks. She's oh. She's got bare shoulders, a high neckline. Her hair is down. She looks amazing. Effortlessly amazing. She's like, she's getting irritated. She's like, why are they, ta- why are we talking about work? Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're always working. I'm a reporter. You're a cop. Yeah. But he keeps cutting back to it, which is a red flag for yeah. me. He tells her she knows sex offenders. Like she gets inside of them. And that's why people move away from her on the couch, which I was like, what? I'm like, fuck you, dude. And she doesn't like that. You can tell she doesn't like him saying that. Yeah. And then they get up to leave. And he was like, well, I'm not moving away. And she's like, I can see that. And I was like, that's how quickly you just go back into like. Uh, Um, I think she was having a weak moment because he had tried to ask her out a million times and she was finally like, well, maybe it's just a million and one. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Buy my Corona. I don't (laughs) know. Yeah. So then they're, yeah, they were, no, they were drinking, drinking MGD. I saw the label and I was like, what? You're at a place called Barology. No shit. Like like, two MGDs. And the guy's like, I think we have some. (laughs) It's like dusting off the top. He's got a tiny vest and a curly mustache and a blowtorch. And he's like, really? You want MGD lights in a bottle? I didn't wear these suspenders to give you an MGD. (laughs) Where's my muddler? (laughs) Cut to them at Benson's house. And they're like on the couch making out. They start talking about doing it. And so then she gets up and puts on some probably NBC approved sex music, (laughs) which we all know is that sexy, sexy clarinet. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I think I like tune that out. So I was just like, no. Mm. Everybody knows you only fuck to Dire Maker by Led Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) So he says he's nervous about doing it with her because she works in sex crimes. So like, how do you have sex? Which is a valid question because that's got to be hard to separate. Oh, yeah. Also, Nick, if you think you're going to show her anything new, think again. Yeah. But Olivia flexes her hot confidence and she finally just tells him to shut up. She just needs some D and it's going to be yours. Okay. Yeah. He starts. Oh, this is so gross. He's I like, he's like, hey, let's pretend I'm on. I'm the guy in the subway. And Benson's like, no. And he starts getting all handsy. And the camera like pans into her kind of like struggling a little bit. And he's She's, like, come on. I'm just going to pretend. And yeah. What would you do? She spins away from him and says, very good acting, by the way. Yeah. She was like, 
wow, I'm going to go wash my face and my hands and my mouth. There's There's the the door. door. Make sure you're out when I'm out of here. Gone. Dude grabs his coat and keys. She goes into the bathroom. He hears the sink go on. Then starts looking through her fucking file. To find the one on the rapist. Piece of shit. I can't fucking believe it. Mm. Yeah. Fuck reporters. (laughs) In all movies and shows, they're always pieces of shit. Except for... April from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She's pretty great. Yeah. But I mean, she was a hoe. Come on. Oh. (laughs) She was fucking all those turtles. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, Cragen's sitting in his office. He's got that morning paper and Olivia walks in. And what do you know? Rape fantasy reporter Nick had written an article as if he had directly gotten into the mind of the subway rapist. Mm -hmm. And Cragen's like, or heard it from the horse's mouth. And Olivia's like, he was at my apartment. I asked him to leave. She tells him the story. She's like, I turned my back. And Craigan's like, never turn your back on a reporter. He's not mad, but like, you know, just disappointed. And he's like. Like any dad would be. <laughs> right. Because he's like, do you want me to handle it? Just yeah. like a dad. Yeah. She's like, no, dad, I'll do it. Yeah. So then Munch busts in and he's like, there's been another rape. Craig gets on the phone and she's like, are we okay? And he like waves her out like they're fine. Yeah. Munch and Jeffries are at the Delancey Street Station. That same transit cop is there. The one that was all, like had the bouncy bangs. <laughs> so the victim was in shock and was taken to the hospital. So uh, somebody had grabbed the guy's coat mm-hmm. and something had fallen out, like a card or something. So they're over by the stairs on the platform and it's a parking stub like or like a parking ticket or something, right? Yeah. And Munch is like, if you use the subway, why do you need a parking stub? Yeah. And so it, it's from Queens at 6.50 that morning. Yeah. So they're like, ooh, fresh lead. Fresh lead. So they're at the park and ride place in Queens. Mm-hmm. The car isn't there. Jeffrey kind of pushes her way into see the records. Yeah. She's like, who who's in there? And he's like, I'll find it myself. Yeah. <laughs> and the dude like recognized like the name, the guy. He mm-hmm. like, he's like, he's out. He always parks here. He says he's white, skinny, pointy nose, drives a couple different kinds of cars, but there's always from the same place. Duels painting contractors. Yeah. So they're at the job site. The guy's name is Sal Albolino, and he's the only white guy that works for the contractors. Yeah. Owner guy said he's been with them for a year or so. He's part-time, if that. He sort of comes back and forth from errands and lunch at his own pace. I don't know how this guy even has a job, the way this boss is describing him. He's like, one of these days, he's like, I swear to God, if he does this 13 or 14 more times, I'm going to fire him. He's like, I'm going to can his ass. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. But he's worthless. He said he went to lunch one time for like three hours. Yeah. Munch attempts the benefit of the doubt, and he's like, maybe he drinks. And the boss is like, I drink. (laughs) Yeah. Him is something else. Yeah. Um, But it turns out he's right there slopping paint on a banister. And I'm like, I know this isn't the point, but what does his boss see in him? I know. I was, he was just like, what? (laughs) Like, and just like a five-year-old. Yeah. What do you want? Uh, So they, they bring him back. Munch and Jeffries are bringing him back to the precinct. They're emptying his pockets. They find someone's ID. Munch is like, who's Cedra Lonestein? And he won't answer. But then Munch finds his Metro card, which is basically a complete map of this guy's route. So they're going to take that to the transit cops to get a look at it. Mm -hmm. So they take it to the transit cops and the system is frozen. So this is a dead end because they can't place him where and when the rapes occurred. Yeah. So our Vic from the beginning, do we know her name? Who? Our Vic from... uh, Oh, no. Fucking Mad TV. 
TV. I think I know it later. Oh, I do. Here, I still don't know what her name is. Eventually, we know her as Jen. Um, oh, yeah. Our Vic IDs him so fast that Craigan has to tell her to wait until the whole lineup is in the room. And she's like, yeah, number one. Yep, like, there yep. he is. Mm-hmm. She comes out. Jeffries is going to have Jen hang out for a minute, maybe to testify. So then, But then Jen barrels into the witness waiting room to grab her scarf where all the other witnesses are sitting. And baby Briscoe is in there. And he's, and he's like, whoa, you can't be in here. He doesn't tell her that before she gets a few words out when mm-hmm. somebody's like, how was it? And she's like, short and quick. And somebody else is like, like him. So great. Now, all of the Vic's IDs are tainted and considered inadmissible. Mm-hmm. Jen Callred. That's now we know her name. Yeah. Anyway. So they're in Cragen's office and Munch and Cragen are chewing baby Briscoe out for letting them talk. And he's like, dude, it happened so fast. It's a bunch of women in there. They all start yakking at once. Mm. Jeffries isn't amused. Right. She's just like eye rolly like, fuck you, dude. Like, do your job. So they're at the Supreme Court and the lawyers and judge are arguing about how the lineup can't be used because the women briefly talked and the case gets fucking dismissed. Yeah. It's awful. The testimony alone isn't enough to even be able to try this guy. But that doesn't make sense to me because eight separate women saying that no, I did not have consensual sex with this guy and his jizz is taken from them right after I reported it. Like, how is that not admissible as like rape. I don't know. He was saying that like it could be that he just had sex with each one of them at a different time. And they all separately lied about it. Yeah. Who is he? Bill Cosby? Yeah, right. Cut to the bullpen stablers like consensual sex with a stranger on the subway holding a box cutter. What planet is this judge from? They're looking into the ID that was found in the dude's pocket, Cedra Lonstein. She hasn't returned their calls. The DMV hasn't issued a new license yet. And it was like about seven months ago, all of her credit card numbers changed and her address. She could be one of his victims and an uncontaminated witness. So everyone disperses. Cragen goes up to a woman who is not Jane Lynch and calls her detective and asks her to run down a lead. (laughs) Yeah. It's unrelated. I just like noticing all the extras. I definitely noticed that. I was like, who the fuck is this lady? And this nameless lady. I saw this thing and I if I would have had time, I would have liked to look it up. But people will like win a walk-on role and to their favorite show or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, I wonder if that's what this was. Maybe. If it is, I hope you're doing well and I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you still have this on VHS. Nameless detective. So they go back to Duel's painting. Abelino is box cutting open a box of paint while Jeffries is staking him out super hard. Yeah. Because she's just waiting for him to do this again. Yeah. She's waiting to arrest him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then that's why Munch and Stabler are together because Jeffrey's hanging out waiting for this guy to fuck up. I don't think I've seen Munch and Stabler on like a thing together, like on a mission. Like together. out on the beat? <laughs> yeah. On a mission. Yeah. So they're Munch out- would need a whole separate outfit for that. Yeah. So they're outside of Cedra Lonstein's apartment, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. They're talking to this dude who's like obsessed with her. Who is obviously Joe Biden time traveling. So she works by the subway, but he was laughing. He's like, she always jokes like she has to take the subway to the 96th Street to punch in and then back to work five blocks from her house. I thought maybe there was something going to be weird about the guy, but it's like, no. He's just... No, he was just like really complimentary about her as a person. He's like, but she never complains. Yeah. And Munch is like, she must be a saint. And he's like, she is. Yeah. So Benson is pit stopping to see Nick the Prick, journalist mm. at his desk. Yep. And she's like, nice article, Nikki. And she chews his ass for stealing the info from her. She tosses a file on his desk then and tells him he should do a story on that cold case. So he opens it up and reads it. Philip Sternhagen, convicted of a strangulation torture. Who the hell is this? And Olivia goes, a man with a rich fantasy life who couldn't stop. A man who uses women without the slightest twinge of regret. 
a man like you, Ganser, a man like you. Yeah. Everyone is watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in a busy newsroom, mm-hmm. whatever you would call that for newspapers. Bullpen? <laughs> Ham house, right? <laughs> I was going to try to think of what the in superman like where lois and That's clark I was worked too i was like i was trying to think of the name of the i was too it's so funny it's the only news <laughs> you know that's so funny it was like the meteor that was it like the oh, it doesn't matter okay the metro i don't know it doesn't matter metropolis no nope okay so they're at the subway munch and stabler are walking around and they find cedra she's really nice and mm. super pregnant She's like glowing and friendly and warm mm-hmm. and just all of these, all these nice things. But she's rubbing that belly like way more than the average pregnant lady. Yeah. And they're, and they're like, is this your ID? And she's like, oh my God. Yeah. I lost it on the subway when a dude bumped into me. And they're like, hmm. Munch gives her eyebrows. Stabler's sniffly and sneezy and all the other seven dwarves. Yeah. He's just like, we get it. Yeah. They have her in Kragen's office all propped up with her feet up on the desk. And her she has like this little denim jumper thing that I could see my mom wearing in like the 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I can see your mom wearing it now. <laughs> yeah. And she would look cute in it. Mm-hmm. So she's like due in like eight or nine weeks. She's not sure. They're like trying to find a way to ask her if she's been, if she was raped. But like really kind. They're like being really gentle about it. Oh, they're it. all doing a great job. Yeah. Stabler leads a seemingly innocuous conversation about pregnancy and when she's doing all that with her. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that he's trying to get to that. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, so what kind of quote unquote bump was it? Mm-hmm. And she she said it was an accident and the car was crowded and she was off duty. Craig and asked if she was wearing a dress and she starts to get kind of upset. And Munch is being cool. He like comes up to her and like puts his hand on her. Became a guy that we've never fucking seen before. Yeah. He gets down an eye level with her. She's sitting, remember? And he comes down, crouches down, like gets in a nice solid squat. <laughs> and he like puts his hand on her, her hand, and kind of, and he like kind of gets her to talk. Munch is alluding to it and she kind of resists at first. And then he, he asks her for help. She never directly says it, but he asks her for help because he's hurt other people. This guy has hurt other people. That's it, yeah. So then he pulls out a photo lineup and she correctly IDs Abilino without ever really saying anything. She just mm-hmm. points at him and she's like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. And so they don't think that she'll actually say rape. So Craigan needs Abilino to say it. Yeah. Which means they're going to do some like cop action to yeah. do it. But before they have that conversation, Craigan asks her if she's hungry. And this was annoying. He's like, I don't <laughs> think we have any ice cream and pickles, but there's a machine that Detective Stabler could take you to. And I'm like, ice cream and pickles is not a thing specific to pregnancy. Yeah, it's stupid. Weird shit happens and it's not that. Stabler goes to help her up and he's like, take my arm, not my hand. I'm working on a cold. We get it. (laughs) And she takes his hand and he's like, yeah so they're in the interrogation room they literally like plop sail down in a chair jeffries plunges his shoulders down like she's jackhammer in the sidewalk (laughs) to get him down in his chair like she's trying to get her antenna down (laughs) cell phone he asks for coffee and they're like no they're telling him that they can get dna from the baby through amniocentesis yeah and he was like what baby yeah so basically they just stick a huge needle into a pregnant lady's belly and they can get the DNA. And they're like, bah, we gotcha. Are they trying to get him to give the DNA? Do they actually do that, though? No. Amniocentesis? They get him to talk about the rape. They want, yeah, they yeah. they want to get him. I mean, I'm sure they could have, like. There's a lot of places that won't even do that shit. I well, don't think Wisconsin saying, will do it. 
there's just more risk involved in that. He ends up like admitting the rape. No, he doesn't say anything. He just sits there quietly and doesn't say anything. Because at first he's Admit like, it. you guys are calling my bluff. And they were like, no, this is really a, this is a real thing. And he's like, <gasps> and then it cuts to the bullpen with Stabler handing Cedra a glass of milk. And I'm like, the dairy lobby has oh, law God. and order on their payroll. <laughs> yeah. Like a thick glass of milk too. So Stabler tells Cedra after she touched his hand, his cold was completely gone. And I'm like, what show is this? Yeah, I was like, what's happening? She is dressed very touched by an angel, And he, he's like, can you explain that? She's like, uh, no. Stabe seems mystified. So yeah. I'm like, she's the John Coffey of the New York transit system in a I, pink turtleneck. I wonder if Michael just came out or something. <laughs> and they were like... What they're basing this on? I like, don't you know. don't need to have multiple elements. You're like, remember how we did that thing about Lolita? And that's like a story? Let's do another thing. Yeah. And the guy... The, it just made me think about the guy who was like, yeah, she is a saint. And you're like, they're doing something and it doesn't need to be here. And it's at the very last fucking minute. I'm not going to yeah. see any ghosts at the last like minute of this thing. Thing. Slimer just comes <laughs> through the wall with a bunch of like hot dogs in his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> <laughs> through the precinct. They're like, grabs they're the like, milk wrong station house. <laughs> like, chugs the milk and throws a glass across the room. It sloshes out the bottom of his body. They're like, Slimer! <laughs> sloshes out of his body. Wrong, wrong station. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That was good. Oh, Slimer, I haven't thought about that fucker in a long time. <laughs> then they're doing that classic thing where they like drag the perpetrator through the fucking station in front of the, their victim, which would never happen in real life. Right. He sees Cedra and he stops and he's like, you, is it you? It is. He's like, when I did you, I knew we could make something beautiful. When I get out, we'll be a family. Oh, was That's like, my baby as he's yeah. getting dragged off. So there's the confession, but she's left crying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this has to be, to be continued. Are they leaving all of these cliffhangers as a way to nab a second season or a 22nd season? You're just They're leaving like, this now. You're 19. This is where this is gonna count right and i'm like you guys don't need these tricks maybe they're just leaving different avenues in case stuff starts to fail and then they're like let's make a ghost show let's the make an angel show yeah god it took me forever to figure out what i was gonna do for this at first i was reading about different subway rapes mm -hmm. and there was a recent one where there's cell phone footage that i watched don't watch this of a dude like in the beginning, like he, he punched this woman and was on top of her in the middle of the day and was like, it was super graphic and they had the woman all pixelated out. So you like, don't know who she is or whatever, but there was somebody taking cell phone video and everybody yelling at him and the guy just stands up and he's like, Whoa, and like walks away and he ended up getting arrested. Like the next day they, they found him. And this was in August, like this past August. And when the guy was getting taken away, they were like, why'd you do it? And he's like, she fucking wanted it and they're like why would she want to be raped and he's like because she's a woman yeah it was gross it was gross like he hasn't even been like tried or anything yet so this is based in new york city subways this guy was known as the subway rapist what year 1989 so september 1988 through january of 1989 this particular person had raped or sodomized. There were some conflicting conflicting things in these articles, but some of these older articles, like I find that a lot if the case is a few decades old. So he raped or sodomized four women and attempted to do the same thing to four others. But then I read this other thing that said 
six of the eight were raped. So I'm not really sure like which one is completely accurate. So the subway system that runs under New York City is a fucking labyrinth. Yeah. And this guy moved through it working entirely underground. He made the cops believe that he was possibly a transit authority employee. Not only that, but in one attack at the Chambers Street station in Lower Manhattan on January 3rd, 1989, he pulled the emergency brake and flipped a hidden switch that opened the doors and he forced a 28-year-old woman at gunpoint out of the train, down a catwalk, to a tunnel where he sodomized her. He told her if she resisted, he would kill her. So part of his MO, he usually struck right at the end of rush hour. He would approach a lone woman, usually between the ages of 18 and 28, with either a knife or a gun and drag her to an isolated area like a tunnel and rape them. And he would also rob them. Hold on a second. How is it at the end of rush hour is he able to find like a lone person? I don't think it was always a lone person. Okay. Like he would find a lone woman as in Oh, and then be like shut up and then take him somewhere. Like a lone woman as in she's traveling alone. Not like she's the only person on the train. Yeah. yeah. Sergeant Nelly Torres, special victims liaison for the police department, was quoted in saying, We believe sex was the dominant motive. Stealing money is no different than stealing sex for these people. They can only achieve self-esteem by humiliating and degrading someone. So like the, even though this guy was robbing people, like that was completely secondary. That really shook me when I read that. Just the statement that stealing money is no different than stealing sex for these people. It's like you don't see people as people. So I read an interview with the New Yorkiest woman. And when she was asked about traveling the same transit line that the rapes had been occurring, 28-year-old Elizabeth Soto said, if you got to travel by train, you got to take a chance. I heard about him, but I take the train every day and I don't fear anything because I don't think about it. You kind of ruined my day by telling me it happened here. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so fuck off. But she, but that's the thing is like people use public transportation in areas like that. It's a necessity. Mm -hmm. So the fact that there's this rogue dude and in, in, anybody in the span of a few months. Plus like all women have to find different ways to mentally cope with just day to day being in this fucking world. Mm -hmm. And like, however we navigate through parking lots subways nope let me tell you so what do you mean nope <laughs> what you're like nope let me tell you no let me no um let me tell you about so monday night i'm walking my dog mm -hmm. and it's first of all you had a little new york accent on did that. i walking my dog i'm walking my dog i'm out on the street monday night i'm walking my dog it's 6 20 at night and i walk the big block like uh, like so it's about a 30 minute walk and i walk different routes and stuff sometimes too just I've been working through this shit with my therapist. Like I can't, I can't walk after a certain time. And some of this has to do with like trying to be a woman navigating safely through the world. And some of it has to do with like my OCD and how I keep myself from being attacked. Like, yeah. because there's always. Well, they say don't have routines or whatever. Well, you know? yeah. And so I do different routes. Well, this, I'd done this route. Sorry, therapist that I said that. <laughs> anyway, so I'm walking. I get a text from John and he's like, hey, this looks great, you know, whatever. And I said, thanks. I should be home in like seven minutes. I wanted to let you know because there's a guy following me. Mm -hmm. He might just be walking, but he's been behind me almost my whole walk. And no matter how fast I'm going, he's getting closer. He's white, stocky, flannel shirt, maybe 40 or 50, heavier set. Yeah. Like, and these are, this isn't one text. This is like, bloop, 
because I was going to, um, I have this app on my phone called Noonlight. It's this app, I'll open it up. So it just is a button. You open it up and it's just a button that says hold until safe. So if I put my finger down on this button, if my if my finger comes off of it, here, I'll show you. So I'm holding it down mm-hmm. and I could hold this while I'm walking. My finger comes off. I have to enter my pin. And if I don't enter my pin within like 15 seconds or something, it'll oh. call the cops. Oh, wow. It'll contact local, like wherever I'm at, the authorities in that area. Hmm. So I was about to do that when I got that text from John. And so then I was just like, well, I just need to give this guy, John, this guy's full description because he's been following me for like four blocks mm-hmm. and I'm hoofing it at this point. Like I'm trying not to run because it looks, mm-hmm. you don't want to look like you're running away from Also, if you start running and then you notice he's chasing you, then it's real. Yeah. He starts running, yeah. I mean. Yes. It's like that thing when you're a kid, when you're like, it's dark and you're like, don't run, don't run up the stairs from the basement or whatever, you know, you're like, and then you're like, <laughs> and then you're like oh my gosh, behind me. So only it's like real, not a demon. <laughs> yeah. So then John sends me a text back and just goes, you want me to come your way? And I go, yep. And he goes, do I load up the kids? Would you stop making me do the emotional labor in this situation, please? <laughs> You make that choice. No, I'm just kidding. I And I said, just come out to the end of our driveway. I'm, I'm almost to our street. And he just like kept walking? No, I turned around and he was gone. Oh, okay. It was so like, he... I don't know where he, I don't, he could have just been a guy on a walk. Yeah. With a scary walk. Yeah. But that, that happened to be going the exact same route I was going at dusk. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm conditioned though. If I'm going to stay safe, I'm going to keep eyes on the back of my head. Yeah. And John is standing at the end of my driveway eating a plate of pumpkin pie when I, <laughs> I'm walking up yeah. to my house. He just kind of goes, hey, waves, <laughs> walk back into the house. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, me and my friend Leah in Colorado were doing this like little hike and it was in the foothills so you could like kind of see everything we see this fucking guy in a flannel long hair like power walking on the same path that we're at and Mm -hmm. we're you know we do that thing where you know we're always just like looking for fucking dudes you know yeah you clock them and you're like all right just whatever yeah but he's just come the same route and we're going fast we're like what do we do we don't have you know he was walking fast like to us Mm -hmm. and we're like we're gonna die i think we're gonna die and she's like we gotta figure something out and i was like i don't know yeah and so we go off of the trail (laughs) oh gabe no it's there was a really scary looking house so we went in side and went upstairs no there was no trees or anything we Mm. just thought if we go off the trail and then he follows us (gasps) then we'll know he's coming towards us and then we can just book i thought you were telling me that he followed you okay no no no. so we go we go kind of off the trail and we're like and it's wide open you can see everything and then he comes to where we were and it keeps following the trail and there's like he was just hiking yeah but real fast and real scary and i had never like my shit was so fuck we were just like let's get yeah. out of here like mm-hmm. and it was just fucking walking you know yeah dude i just listened to god what is that podcast down the hill it's a very drawn out like long thing but these two little girls were out on the walking trail and when they found the girls bodies oh is this in indiana yes yeah okay Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and there's and sh- they have her cell phone footage of the guy and audio of him saying, "Guys, down the hill." Yeah, like d- like telling them to go down the hill. I have to fucking do this. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so remember, all this is happening in the late '80s. So unless you're looking for it, you're not going to get news alerts popping up while you're dicking around on Instagram. So like, yeah, when these reporters are coming up to these people on the platforms, being like, "Hey, this rapist that's here," a lot of women didn't know it was happening. Like, uh, they're not on high alert for that. They're as they're on as much alert as they always are. A woman who rides the subway, like, yeah. there's a protocol for women. Yeah, in like the that, world, like that woman was like, "Yeah, you kind of ruined." Like, I don't think about it. 
you know, and like that's her version of like surviving every day is just mm-hmm. to not think about it, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Right. So then police started handing out leaflets in the area that it was happening to warn women. And then after a sketch was released, the group, the Guardian Angels, handed out copies of that sketch along with they did like public self-defense displays mm-hmm. um, to to help women. But at the end of the day, what were women supposed to do? You know, it's not like they could stop riding the fucking subway. Yeah. So January 17th, 1989, two 911 phone calls were made by a guy claiming to be the subway rapist who had already attacked and raped seven women. Mm -hmm. Police Commissioner Benjamin Ward said the caller was, quote, apparently a very troubled person. He said he's sorry for what he did, and he said he feels that he's getting a little bit out of control. Okay. I'm like, is that, that's the understatement of the entire 80s, right? (laughs) Yeah. Ward also said that, quote, this guy, he wants to talk to the cardinal, and the cardinal has agreed to act as intermediary. So, Like a Catholic cardinal? He said he would surrender if Cardinal John O'Connor first made a televised personal plea. Mm-hmm. So when I first read this, I was like, there's no way that they did that. Like, because mm-hmm. he's like, I want the cardinal to get on TV, and I want him to fucking ask for me to stop, and then I want him to talk to me, and then I'll I'll come in. Mm-hmm. But they did do that. Like, they did have the cardinal get on TV and do, and do this plea. It turns out that the year before, in February of 1988, a similar request was made by an abortion clinic bomber, Cardinal O'Connor. Like, this is his deal. Cardinal O'Connor did the televised request of like, hey, could you could you stop and just come in? And Dennis Malvasi turned himself in. He was the the abortion clinic bomber. He had dynamited one clinic and set a bomb at another that was fortunately diffused before it could go off. And he got seven years. But they were like, we may as well try it and have the cardinal, you know, make a plea. And the commissioner really believed it was a genuine call because like fake calls for this kind of shit can come in too. But the caller claimed to be a crack addict he gave his name and he promised to call back at a specific time. That was information that was not released to the public. Okay. And the commissioner also said that he had a, quote, apparently authentic accent, but then he wouldn't specify what accent that was either. Oh, so nothing came of that 911 call and the cardinal and everything. Like, no, like the guy didn't come in. There was no information after that. Yeah. April 7th, 1989, a 33-year-old woman was forced off a crowded car at a Brooklyn subway station at 3.30 in the afternoon. The woman described the man as Hispanic, about 5'4", in his 20s with a mustache. She said she was forced to, quote, fondle the man for an extended period of time. That sounds like that was a police quote, not a her quote. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound like a yeah. thing, like the way a cop would say it? And then this woman was like, not today, you little shithead. Yeah. <laughs> and she took off and made it to the street corner before the man grabbed her again <gasps> and said, I want to take you to my friend's apartment. <gasps> no. He got her as far as a doorway of a nearby building and she broke free again. And this time the dude took off. He's like, this is not worth yeah. whatever the fuck I'm doing. There was some thought that the guy was the subway rapist, but he also used some different methods in the other cases so they weren't sure. But even though the subway rapist kind of changed changed it up a little bit like as far as the weapon that he used mm-hmm. what did he use like there was a, a gun, knife yeah a, gun. A, a, a small small caliber silver gun um or a knife um there was no specifications that i found on the knife though but who knows like maybe people saw like a blade like the flash of a blade and they thought it was a gun right i don't remember what date this happened but a 911 call was made again telling the police to meet him at the queen's youth center on northern boulevard but then he ended up being a no show this ended up being a different person or so they think because at first they thought that the two calls may 
have been from the same person, but then they used early 90s voice print comparison technology to determine that they were different people. I don't know enough about it. I Googled voice print technology, but it was all like way over my head. But Mm -hmm. that could be some guy. Sounds like a different guy. (laughs) No, Um, no, no. I went to school for this. Sounds like a different guy. (laughs) This is a different guy. This is a different guy. But they're like probably only trained to like hear white voices. You know what I mean? Yeah. The like, baseline for voices is, what is that, mid-Atlantic? <laughs> hey, meet me at the Queens Youth Center on Northern Boulevard. I'm not going to show up. Click. Just kidding. Click. That was me. I said click. Click. That was me again. I could do this all day. <laughs> That's me twirling my mustache. We're on the telephone. All right. Hey, operator. <laughs> All right, keep going. This is okay. stupid. January 19th, 1990, the city and the transit authority put up a $20,000 reward for tips given that would lead to the arrest and conviction of this guy. So obviously, by January 19th of 1990, this is starting to go cold. Oh. It had stopped at eight. Okay. And then all of a sudden, just gone. Yeah. September 29th, 1991, Captain Joseph Carney of Transit Police said, quote, the case is still open, but the leads have dried up. At the height, we had about 100 detectives and uniformed and plainclothes officers on the case. Now, this is the last I found on the subway rapist. Obviously, this can mean many things. Did he die? Was he hit by a subway train distorting his face and identity beyond recognition like I was fantasizing about doing my research? Have the victims since chosen not to report? Was he jailed for a different crime? Did he change up his routine? Because then I found plenty of other serial rape cases with different MOs. But like, I'm just here to like tell you about this. Like, I'm not here to be a detective. Right. Even though it's like, I'm going to have a string board on my wall of like New York City subway rapes. But guess what? There's a shitload of them. Yeah. What a surprise. But here's the thing. I want every true crime K-hole that I go down to result in justice tied up in a nice little bow. But it's just... It's not going to happen. So I just spent time like thinking about it. I'm like, do they have this dude's DNA by chance? Have these rape kits been left on the shelf to collect mold and dust? Or can the evidence be processed by new technology? It's just really disheartening to read this shit. And like it completely fades away into obscurity. And there are these people who were brutally victimized and then left with nothing. And this guy, this guy didn't just stop raping people. Like, I'm hoping something awful happened to him. Yeah. I'm not a good person. I'm like, I hope Donald Trump dies of COVID, and I hope that something terrible happened to this guy. Gotta get one of those commemorative coins. Can you believe that shit? What? The, the White House commemorative coins? No, I don't know what you're talking about. What? A couple days ago there. You can, for $100, you can get pre-order a White House coin that says Donald Trump, the date defeated COVID. Ew. You haven't seen that? No. It came out like a couple days ago. Is that like White House official? Yes. For $100, you can pre-order it. Ew. I just don't even... None of this is real. It can't be. This is Inception. SVU is really what's happening, and we're the show. I feel like I'm that spinning top that won't stop. (laughs) It's like, this is insane. Put me in your pocket, Leo. Oh my God. I forgot to tell you. Wait, do you have more? Oh, just a little bit, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'll tell you after. Okay. So I'm just going to leave you with this because I feel like this is an incomplete chaser. And when I started writing it, I didn't know that it was going to be incomplete. 
So I'm just going to leave this. Mariska Hargitay is the founder of the Joyful Heart Foundation. Their mission is to transform society's response to sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse, support survivors healing, and end this violence forever. Go to joyfulheartfoundation.org. As always, we'll link it with the rest of our source material in this episode on our website. Here you can learn more about sexual assault, its survivors, and what you can do to help. You can donate, fundraise, and advocate through them. Um, She's also founded endthebacklog.org, which we have talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And their mission is very clear, to end the rape kit backlog. Yeah. Fucking Marishka, dude. I know. She's the best. Yeah. But seriously, go to these websites because they're so easy to navigate and like so be like, what can I do? Boom, 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 boom. It can it tells you exactly what you can do. Yeah. And even if you can't like give money or anything that you can like still look at the stuff and share it and you know, yeah. Do well, other advocating things. doesn't cost anything. Yeah. And doing yeah, doing other things and Yeah. Oh yeah. It's about way more than just donating. Like you need you need money and you need voices. Yeah. It's a I thought this was a great chaser. I don't know why you're. I don't know, just because like I like I don't have the guy's name. I don't have any of the victims' names. When I feel disjointed, I'm just like, oh my god, this is gonna suck. Yeah, but I feel like it this, like that is the reality of like most rape cases. It is. You know what I mean? Is yeah. like there's no justice, and sometimes the person's not found, and a lot of people don't report, and just a terrible thing that happened, and they'll never get their fucking life back, and they'll never mm-hmm. get justice for it. Okay, so. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Facebook. SVU Pod. Go on our website, svupodespeciallyheinous.com. Yeah, join our Facebook group. I need your approval. Gabe needs your ghost stories. And memes. And memes. And we love you. I guess. I mean, whatever. We don't know you. It's... I don't care. I mean, like, whatever. Do whatever you want. I'm not no. even worried about it. Like, no. I don't even care. Like, I don't care if you listen to us. I don't know. Gabe's outwardly indifferent, but on the inside, she's this mushy little sweetie that just wants a hug. Just wants a podcast listener hug. Mushy? No, I knew that's a word. I knew it. No, I pictured a creamy inside. (laughs) It's nougat. Um, So I was going to tell you this thing real quick. In my dream last night, um, I I was with this like ragtag group of fucking whatever, and we're doing a talent show thing. And I was like, well, I'm going to do Marishka Hagate. But this little fucking kid was like, um... No, I'm Marishka. And I was like, I don't think so. And we got into this battle. And and then he was like, well, I'm doing it. And I was like, well, I don't care what the audience thinks that there's a double of something. I'm doing it. But I was putting my makeup on at night. Yeah. And Marishka comes out because apparently I knew her. <gasps> and she was like, oh, my God. And I was like, what? She's like, your makeup is fucking terrible. And I was like, what? And I'm like, it's dark. I'm using this. I'm using the, this mirror. And she was like, you got to do it over again. And I was like, Marishka. And then I, 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 and then I woke up at like 5 a.m. So, All right. I love you. Bye. Love you too. This is like it's a public bathroom. I just saw WC and I was like, I wonder what's in this building because I'd never seen WC like water water closet. closet. Yeah, I didn't know. And I was like, oh, it's a toilet. (laughs) Well, I do have to go, but not for that price. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Bruce Abbott. Bruce Abbott. (laughs) Bariusi (laughs) Abbott. It's like, I love this job. (laughs) Just mopping up cum. 1989 April 7th 1989 I was in kindergarten Glue stick in my heart out Rose Albert <laughs> <laughs>